I added this in. Okay, sorry. I was still working on the title as quickly as I possibly could. Welcome, everyone, to Kassab Live, uh, where this is our first day and we do live edits on the fly. Uh, it is Saturday. We are here. We are live. I see some familiar faces in the chat already. Fa of the, of the Q2 Ube family. The sweet potato family. Uh, Adrian, welcome. Mr. Miller, welcome. We are live. Uh, we unfortunately do not have our guest with us today. We're not sure uh, what happened, uh, but Corey will not be joining us today. So Alex and I are here to discuss all of these wonderful things ourselves. Alex, we'll do a super quick, hey, how are you? Hey, uh, doing okay. Okay, moving on. There we go. <laughs> Just perfect. <laughs> nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay as well. All right. So first order of business is, I guess, to discuss what you will discuss at the end of the show, just to kind of give people an idea, uh, really quick. I know there's a couple of things you want to talk about as far as, um, you know, legislative things go, what, what can people expect to stick around for? Uh, well, at the end, I, I don't have anything um, surging in in relevance right now. I think you know, at the federal level, where everybody's sort of waiting to see uh, when when the government shuts down. It's not an if. Uh, so uh, th there's some stuff maybe at the federal level, but uh, don't know that that's going to be going anywhere. And it ties into what we'll be talking about. So no real uh, special stuff at the end here. We're going to give oh, it to okay. you all in one plate, right up at, uh, right up front. Cool. I guess top of the hour, we can start right there then. Yeah. So uh, let's get into it. Um, so uh, obviously, you know, given the title of today's uh, live stream, we were we were hoping to actually speak to someone uh, with experience in law enforcement and and our guest uh, Corey Pegs or or Pegas. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, uh, it's certainly a, a, a very experienced person, I, I think, former NYPD. I think he spent 14 years uh, in the National Guard or part of the Army. Um, and so uh, this is a person who has seen, you know, the boots on the ground experience with the drug war. And uh, he uh, it, it volunteers or works with the organization LEAP, which is the Law Enforcement Action Project. Um, and uh, they are working toward re reforming drug policy laws. Uh, brief, just I, don't take them all of my word for it. You go check out their website, um, uh, Law Enforcement Action Project. Uh, like, I don't know if it's leap.com. I should be better prepared for this. Uh, Law Enforcement Action Partnership. Maybe that's, I'm getting this wrong, uh, .org lawenforcementactionpartnership.org and you can find out more about their organization or if you really just want something quick and digestible here um, the uh, they have a pretty great video on YouTube uh, from 2012 uh, where uh, this gentleman um, Peter Christ is describing uh, the Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, which was how this organization started and, and why they are working to change drug laws uh, and end the drug war. Um, so um, uh, it, it will be great at some point in the future to actually hear law enforcement's perspective on what is now the looming menthol ban. 
uh, at every opportunity, FDA has sort of doubled down and recommitted to uh, finalizing the rule that would ban menthol and flavored cigars. Uh, and there is obviously a lot of uh, equity issues involved here. Um, and both sides have points to make on this. Uh, and of course, you know, history is a guide. We know that strict prohibitions like this don't end up benefiting public health. They are more of a, a money pit and uh, end up doing a lot more harm to communities um, being over-policed. So um, that's kind of the, the skinny, I think, of what we, we had hoped to talk about today. Um, and um, instead, I, I think maybe we'll, we're, we're definitely going to have a shorter time here. And, and uh, one of the things that would, would have been part of our discussion, and I think hopefully will be in the future, <clears throat> um, is a lot of the, the rhetoric that we're hearing now around disposable vape products <clears throat> or, or single use, depending on how you, you feel about. I know the term disposable has been like a, a thorn in my side since like it was coined. Um, yeah. because it just, it just, to me, it just plants the idea that when you're done with these, you throw them in the garbage, you know, yeah, which is no, a horrible idea. Um, there's no real recognition of, of how it, it seemed almost encouraging, right? Like it does. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's just disposable. It's like a paper cup or something. You know what I mean? You just you just throw throw it in the trash when you're done. And um, and one of the things like people, I, I I get both sides when it comes to disposables. And we'll, we'll get to the major points of this discussion here in a second. But um, you know, this there are people who are very much against it. Ah, you know, f disposables. They're horrible. They're the worst thing ever. Go buy yourself a mod. This, that, and the other thing. And from you know, from the perspective of a person who's trying to switch. And make that switch the easiest possible way is is a disposable is a single use e-cigarette you you pull it out of the package you you pull the little silicone plug out of the end and, and you vape it like it doesn't get any simpler than that there even the the simplicity of filling and replacing a pod is eliminated like it, it just cannot be simpler and i think that's a positive thing for people who are struggling to make that switch or for people who may um have uh you know other needs as far as accessing these products or fiddling with these products or things like that. So these products to me definitely have a place in the market. And I think one of the biggest downfalls to these products is that we don't have enough encouragement or the infrastructure to recycle these products properly. Um, and we've gone over this in the past at waste management facilities. There are fires uh, and explosions that happen because these things just, they make their way into the garbage like everything else. Uh, and that's a problem. So I think in order for us to kind of move forward with, you know, disposables or, or single use, uh, you know, e-cigarettes is is really the infrastructure behind how to recycle them. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's, it's a vape. You know, if, if people are using these and not smoking, that's a good thing, like across the board. Like, I think we can all agree that, like, we shouldn't vape shame somebody for the product that they use. They're not smoking. That's a win. That's a positive thing. That's a good thing. It's really, again, I think one of the biggest, most critical points is how we are disposing of the disposables. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's an opportunity for industry, uh, really. And, and with enough, you know, perhaps, perhaps there needs to be some consumer pushback there. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately I think industry has an opportunity to appeal to people's environmental consciousness and make these products better, easier to recycle, sure. um, and, and, and hopefully keeping the cost down. 
so that uh, you know folks who are going to try vaping on a whim instead of buying their usual pack of cigarettes uh, will see these right. products as affordable and, and accessible. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've talked about, you know, that that point of entry price point for people making the switch. Uh, this is one of the, the greatest things in the market for that, you know, instead of having to, you know, I think I'm going to try try vaping and now I have to buy this $50 mod and a $40 tank and a pack of coils and a $20 bottle of e-liquid and all these things like I could give this a try for, you know, a, a couple of bucks and buy this this single yeah. use thing and see if this even starts to work for me at all. I do want to shout out uh, Mark Sliss really quick. I, I didn't see him in chat yet or whatever, but I know that he and a number of other vape shops around the country uh, do encourage people to bring in their old single use, their disposables. Uh, and like Mark breaks them down. He recycles those batteries the right way. Uh, so anybody like Mark out there doing doing that work, uh, thank you, because that is, uh, again, one of the, the biggest kind of downfalls to that, um, you know, that category of product is, is again, just the, the waste side of it. It's awful. Yeah. So getting into, uh, you know, the kind of nitty gritty here and the stuff that, that involves law enforcement um, is a, a push that we've seen recently, I'd say probably over... I want to say the last three months, but my my I'm still dealing with like COVID time distortion. So let's just say within the past six months, um, what we've seen are efforts ramping up to tie uh, uh, disposable vapor products to the uh, drug poisoning crisis in America, which is uh, largely understood as fentanyl. And um, a lot of this is actually coming from an American tobacco company. Uh, which we're going to just leave their name out of all of this today. Um, but I, I'm sure some of you who are listening can do the math on which tobacco company is likely to engage in a campaign like this. Uh, it is just one of them. It's not the rest of the industry. Uh, I think there are people who are committed to the harm reduction um, trajectory of uh, tobacco companies and uh, see the, the real danger in this narrative about uh, specifically uh, vapor products coming in from China being laced with fentanyl. And um, there there are a couple of things to that, you know, everybody can do their own sort of kitchen table epidemiology here. Number one, we don't have an epidemic of teenagers going to the hospital or being killed because they're vaping fentanyl. Um, that's it's just not happening. Uh, there are sort of these sporadic outlier type events that are usually covered poorly by the local media and only involve uh, statements coming from the local law enforcement, uh, who, by the way, uh, are in a position to ask their governments for more funding to fight the drug war. Uh, and so there, there are a lot of conflicts involved, the conflicts of interest involved here in terms of how this issue is being reported and how susceptible the media and lawmakers are to seeing stories about a fentanyl laced vape coming in from China. Um, the reality of the situation is number one, it's just not happening. Uh, number two, uh, I believe the bulk of fentanyl being shipped into this country is coming from Mexico and the cartels. Um, and so it, it's, it, it's, it's, again, it sort of adds another layer of danger in sort of actively promoting a misunderstanding of the issue. Uh, in that, uh, first of all, what we have in the United States is 
um, a crisis of trauma and despair and people self-medicating in order to deal with their individual situations. Uh, and so that translates to demand. Uh, and simply pointing the finger at another country for the supply side issues it takes away, I think, a lot of the attention that we need in, in order to support people, educate people and help them through uh, whatever they might be dealing with in their lives. So that's that's that is to me, that's the primary danger is sort of that misdirection. Second of all, when we see the rhetoric ramping up about, you know, fentanyl and where it's coming from and mixing that with this uh, outdated reliance on a failed drug war, we are in a position to see violence escalate, uh, not just at home, but potentially in other countries. And uh, there, there was an article I was reading on my newsfeed. I don't have it. In front. Oh, I dropped it in the chat so I can quickly reference this, uh, even though I'm not going to get there fast oh, enough. Moment where you're like, I'm going to put this thing right here so I know exactly where it is. And then you're like, I don't know where I put that thing. Yeah, and now I'm opening it in the wrong account. Why you so. work on that really quick? What Mowgli's talking about, for anybody curious, what he's referring to is Trank in chat. He's referring to xylazine, which has been making its way also into, um, you know, the the drug supply. Um, and you can't test for it with a fentanyl test strip. It's not going to come up. Xylazine test strips uh, are kind of making their way into the streets, which is a very good thing. Uh, but please, uh, you know, to anybody out there watching, tuning in, hearing this or, you know, for your friends, family, whoever, if you use drugs, please test them, start low, go slow, see how you feel. You can always take more. You can never take less. Um, so just be safe out there. Uh, but that's that's what Mowgli is referring to as Trank is, is xylazine. Um, and it's it's been wreaking havoc among people who use drugs and and yet yeah, it's, it's 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 tragic it's crazy what a legal drug supply would do for us yeah so uh the article i'm talking about here uh this is from fox news um mexico's fifth largest employer is helping kill americans some republicans are ready to declare literal war um and a couple of things uh, about you know just the fact that the cartels are mexico's fifth largest employer um, I, I did watch a, a pretty unfortunate and poorly done uh, CBS News uh, uh, story about uh, fentanyl coming in from Mexico. And one of the things that they did pay attention to was the actual the sort of the, the cultural significance of cartels in Mexico. And, you know, this is what you get when your government is failing the, the, the citizenry the organized crime elements are the ones who are paying for things like infrastructure product projects and clean water and, uh, and making sure that there's food and, and security in a town. It's not, it's not ideal. It's not rosy. There are severe consequences for, for going against the cartel, but they have to some extent earned a place in, in, in society to the extent that, you know, kids growing up, this is from the news story. Um, they don't necessarily aspire to be doctors and lawyers or politicians or, you know, restaurant owners. They want to be like the leaders of the cartels. It's, it's sort of, it's that kind of, you know, the thing that we've seen happen with regard to technology, nobody wants to get a real job. They just want to be a YouTube influencer. Well, this is, this is what people in Mexico are experiencing. Their heroes and idols are part of organized crime. So we're not just dealing with some run of the mill mobsters here. We're dealing with, something that it cuts a lot deeper than that and sure, it is and part of the culture 
to add to that, yeah, I mean, there are there are a lot of areas where that is the only work. There are yeah. no other. There is no other industry. There are no other jobs. Um, you know, I've watched plenty of interviews, especially, um, you know, with coca growers and coca farmers where that, that is the work, that is the industry. That is, that is what is there. That is what grandpa did. That is what dad does. That is what you will do. Like that is, that is life as they know it. There, there isn't any, there's not a McDonald's down the road. You can go get a start out job at, there is no local library. You can go, you know, get your first job at like, there's the fields. That's what you do. Um, and so for, you know, a lot of areas like the drug trade is what's there. That's the economy. That is the industry. That is what is available. You know, that you can say all day long, oh, well, these kids need to get it. There is no other job. There is no other work. Like that's, that's what's there. And the idea where people will say, well, they should just move. They're 12. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, you just move. You know how hard, like when somebody says, oh, and, you live in a bad area, just move. You know what the cost is to move? Like, what are you going to do? Like, come on. And be real about this. That is that is it's an unfortunate situation, sure, but that just, is the reality of it. I, I do I do just want to respond to that just move mentality. They are moving. They're they're coming to the United States to escape the violence and, and then they're being told to go face. back where you came from. Like yeah, exactly. So if, if so just move absurd. is your solution, guess what? It's failing spectacularly. Yeah, um, so yeah, you know, there, there really is no great solution here and I don't want to present anything that we might come up with as a panacea, but, uh, you know, I, I will say, you know, one of the things that I, I, I learned about, uh, in, uh, attending GTNF last, last week remotely, I did not travel to South Korea. Um, but, uh, I, there was someone that had talked about, I'm going to get the country wrong. Um, I, I, I feel like it was in Europe, but the, uh, maybe it was a city, um, maybe I think it was Singapore. It was at Singapore that legalized sex work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, basically what they did was, you know, they didn't make everybody jump through a battery of like, you know, some sort of approvals process in order to get a license. They just went to the people on the street and said, here's your license. And, and now, you know, we are, we are tracking what's going on. Uh, and, and, you know, that they can now sort of openly see what's going on in the sex trade. And there's no more, you know, people getting arrested just for for doing sex work, and uh, in and things are are improving now. Yeah, all of the people who were operating if, in an illicit market are now operating in a regulated market, and and things are improving. I, I assume from a both from a law enforcement standpoint, but also public health. And so that is one of the things that is sort of suggested is. You know, if you take these illicit sellers and just meet them where they're at and say, look, you're licensed, we're going to monitor things now, and there's going to be a tax involved, but no more cops and robbers, whack-a-mole stuff. Everybody's just going to be, you know, compliant uh, and make that, you know, that barrier to entry uh, accessible. You know, obviously, we're not looking for chaos and, and no regulation, but bringing people into the fold may be a more productive way to go about this and a way to avoid some of the, the more you know, harmful consequences of getting cops involved in a public health issue. Sure. Um, yeah. And I can't remember if, if, if it was Singapore or not. I'm going to have to, you know, don't quote me here, and I'd, I'd have to do a little bit of, of research. Um, but one of the, the countries recently that had legalized sex work only legalized it on the worker side. So um, mm. the, the consumer side uh, were still 
it was still illegal. So it was it was this really weird kind of unbalanced scale, uh, which at the end of the day really still puts workers in harm's way of retaliation and whatnot uh, from the consumer side, from you know people, um, you know, I, I guess purchasing whatever, um, getting services. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I can't remember if that's Singapore or not. I'd have to do a little bit of, of research into, into which country yeah, it is, but it, it just seems, it just seems like one of those half measures that's still going to cause a lot of harm. Um, yeah. And for, forgive me if I got the, 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 the jurisdiction where this happened incorrect. I I'm running off of just vague memory and obviously didn't prepare too well, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't know we were going to talk sex work while we were here, but. Sex work I mean, it's really all related, hard. right? It's all related. And that's why we're talking about fentanyl vapes. I mean, it is it is related specifically to vaping. Um, but uh, the uh, this, of course, has parallels and, and connections with the drug war, which was uh, really, I think, going to be the bulk of this. And of course, uh, what, as the title indicates, we would be talking about a menthol ban, which is another thing that, you know, if if you've been aware of this issue for at least five minutes, then you can do your own math and figure out who is going to step in and fill the void in the market. Uh, it's it's not going to be a regulated business. It's going to be likely the cartels who are probably sitting down there just waiting for FDA to ban these products. Um, sure. And and I do want to reiterate, I, I saw some exchanges on Twitter uh, about the menthol ban, uh, maybe within the past 24 hours. Uh, and, and some of the arguments are, you know, sort of leaning on FDA's statements that we're not going to enforce against the individual. I want to restate this and make it abundantly clear. The FDA only has so much reach and they only have so many employees. And so what ends up happening is states and municipalities will pick up the slack. And in more than two thirds of the country, Purchase, use, and possession of tobacco products is already illegal, and and there are punishments for young people. In addition to that, in every state, all 50 of them, uh, selling untaxed cigarettes is also a crime. And that's something that will be enforced by state and local law enforcement uh, as we go forward. So the FDA can say what they want, but once it gets down to the state and local level, the FDA really doesn't have any control over how severe the penalties are and how strict the enforcement is. Uh, because as we all know, states and municipalities can go within reason above and beyond the federal regulations. So I, I just wanna make sure that we get that out there and that, that people do understand that's what's at stake um, as far as the menthol ban is concerned. Not to mention that early indications are uh, you have, uh, you know, maybe maybe 20 percent of people are are motivated to try to quit smoking. Uh, but the vast majority of people will continue smoking and a large number of people get the uh, through a list, which we all know a whole new a whole other can of worms when it comes to product quality. So. You were um, out there for just a second. Um, I did. I saw the Wi-Fi thing pop up, and I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know, know if you want to read your last half a sentence there or not. <laughs> um, and I forget it already. I've moved on. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you and I both live in New York, uh, where something like fifty percent of the cigarettes that are sold in this state are untaxed. Um, 
you know, or purchased in the state one way or another, whichever way you look at it, are, are untaxed cigarettes. Um, so to think that that's not going to happen, you know, in every state with menthol uh, is just silly. You know, that's it's just naive thinking um, because it absolutely will. Um, you know, it's not hard in New York City to find a guy with a backpack who's willing to sell you a pack of cigarettes. Um, so uh, is it possible to. Oh, no. Here we go. Is it possible to vape fentanyl by mixing it into your e-liquids? I keep hearing news reports that people are doing it. The the short answer to that is in your commercial e-cigarette that you're using right now. No, um, the the heating element, the design of that that pod or that coil head or or what have you, um, and the wattage capabilities of that product. Uh, the short answer is most likely no. Um, is it possible to vape fentanyl? period? Yes. Um, but it's a much more specific, um, process, I suppose, uh, than just like, you know, mixing some fentanyl powder into your e-liquid. Please don't nobody do that. I would really highly discourage you doing that. Please don't try this, you know, for science or something like don't just don't. Um, but yeah, the short answer is no. Uh, the long answer is yes, but it's, it's a little bit more involved than, than just, you know, mixing it into your, your strawberry three milligram. Like that's not, that's not going to be a thing. You're not going to, you know, and, you know, drip fentanyl, like that's not going to happen. So. And I, I would like to, I mean, before we actually sit, stand here and, and make, you know, uh, very affirmative statements, uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's good to, to note that, um, first of all, there's, there's really not much research on this at all, given the legal status of fentanyl in America. Um, and, uh, I mean, it is, it it is very legal. Fentanyl has been used for. Yeah. I mean, it can, it can be researched, but in terms of the applications and how people are using it, um, I don't know know the boiling points of fentanyl and combustion points, um, right. So, so we have information out there, but one of the things that has been suggested is that vaping fentanyl could be a form of harm reduction for people who are dependent or addicted to fentanyl. Uh, and for some obvious reasons, number one, no more needles, uh, but also because the dose that you're getting through vaping fentanyl is going to be smaller and more manageable. So when we talk about going low and slow and listening to your body, you're more likely to have control over that using a vapor product as opposed to injecting uh, and especially injecting something where you don't know what's in it. Um, and I will say, I, you know, hats off to New York state. I've been seeing a lot more harm reduction ads. Uh, you can get naloxone and test strips trips for free in New York state. Uh, and so that's, that's a very good program. And, and, and I think it's at least this one thing um, the state of New York is doing right. There's a number of harm reduction orgs out there. One is just, I believe it's just getnaloxone.org. I could be wrong on the name, um, but it's something very, very much along those lines um, that are nationwide as well, as far as Narcan distribution goes. Uh, and just to piggyback really quick off of uh, our conversation about xylosine and Trank earlier, uh, Narcan will not assist you uh, in a, in a uh, xylosine overdose. Uh, it, is, it is not uh, an opioid. Um, will not bring somebody out of of, uh, of, an, of an overdose. So uh, just another thing to be aware of um, in regards to, you know, fentanyl and opioids and whatnot. Yeah. So um, I guess, you know, we, we did sort of promise an abbreviated uh, live stream today uh, since we don't have our guest, but um, hopefully we'll be able to get him back or someone from Leap. 
uh, or one of the, the many other law enforcement uh, sort of based organizations out there uh, advocating for drug policy change uh, who are engaged on this issue. Uh, I will I know say last this week or last not well, not last week, two weeks ago, our, our last uh, broadcast, uh, we had talked about some of this and some of the other uh, law enforcement uh, groups out there um, who have, who, you know, have spoken out against this menthol ban in regards to over policing in, in communities. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I would, I would absolutely um, hope that we can sit down with, yeah. with somebody here soon. Uh, I'd love to talk to somebody from leap. Yeah. But so uh, really, I guess the last thing here, and I'll, I'll share my screen again, I can, I can do this. Good. Uh, so uh, this is a bill in Congress that uh, is uh, directly addressing um, sort of forcing FDA to pay to, to prioritize enforcement against disposable products. Um, I got this as a hot tip from uh, Tony Abood over at VTA yesterday. Um, not not sure that this is really going anywhere, but as we if we know anything about our government, they like to take language from other pieces of legislation, toss them into must pass budget bills, which we'll see if we even get one. Um, but uh, it is definitely an issue that's gotten uh, attention in Congress. And um, of course, all of the, the narrative, the anti-China uh, rhetoric and sentiment uh, is feeding into all of this. And so if there was one thing that, that uh, you know, we wanted to convey here is take all of that with a grain of salt and think very critically about the uh, op-eds and messages that you're probably going to be seeing ramping up uh, over the next few months. Um, and a lot of it is misinformation. It is a campaign designed to protect the market share of a, a particular company and their products. Um, they have received PMTA for it. Uh, and uh, so this is this is business as usual for tobacco companies, um, but uh, it is not in service of a smoke free future. Uh, it is not in service of public health. It is simply protecting market share. Um, and so uh, just be aware that this stuff is out there and 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 treat these things with a skeptical eye as we go forward. Um, so. Uh, with that, I, I don't have any legislative update for uh, this week, other than to say, you know, we're we're looking for things uh, potentially firing up in Ohio, um, Cincinnati in particular. Um, haven't heard anything about it yet, but uh, we do have our ear to the ground there. Uh, and I think, as we may have mentioned last time, there were a few things that came across the wire this year that uh, we lost track of or didn't see, uh, and so. Uh, getting back in the swing of things the last last few months of the year a lot of times we see a lot of local stuff happening uh and so we'll keep working on that and trying to keep tabs on on what's going on uh and keep you guys informed when and where to take action um other than that i don't know logan got anything you want to anything on your chest you need to get get rid of no no i think we uh i think we touched base on a lot of things uh, i would encourage anybody uh out there to use good language when referring to people who use drugs um other than that um no i think we i think we i think we filled time pretty good today given uh <laughs> given that our our you know original plan for the show kind of um went yeah. to put i suppose uh, well, more yeah. than more than filling time, I think, you know, the, the real goal here was to raise 
you know, the, the issue and, and awareness about this, this dangerous narrative that we're seeing play out. Sure, absolutely. And, and I think, uh, hopefully we, we did that. Hopefully at least we at least piqued some people's curiosity here. So dig yeah. into it, get to know what's going on and, um, and we'll keep talking about this. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Is it spiel time already? I, I think it's spiel time. Wow. That's wild. 36 minutes in and I'm doing the spiel. Anyways, thank you guys. Thank you everybody in chat. Thank you to everybody who tuned in here. And thank you to everybody out there watching the replay right now. You guys are awesome. Uh, if you're not a member of Kasa, you've done everything wrong in your life up until this point. No, I'm just kidding. Head over to Kasa.org right now, though, and become a member. It's absolutely free. Uh, and while you're there, submit your testimony. Share your story with us so we can continue to share your story with the world. Uh, we have well over 10. What are we at? 14,000 testimonials right now? We're getting somewhere, there. Close somewhere to 14,000. Somewhere around 400,000. Uh, so... <laughs> uh yeah thank you guys uh submit your testimonies head over to kasa.org check out the merch while you're there if you're so inclined to drop a donation uh you know 50 cent 20 cent a dollar whatever it all goes to uh us continuing to do what we do over here uh and providing you guys with the latest and greatest updates on everything that we have our ears and eyes on so thank you uh you know this is a, it's a team effort you know, the CASA is not just the board or Jim angrily pecking away at news articles and whatever. CASA is all of us. It's every last one of us, um, especially folks out there in the Facebook groups. Uh, there are Facebook groups for, you know, every state. If you live in America, we have a Facebook state. We have a Facebook group. Uh, and a lot of times things that go under our radar, things that, uh, you know, our software and things like that aren't able to pick up real small stuff that goes quick under the radar. We can catch through those Facebook groups. We get those heads up and then we can amplify that from there. So all of that works together synergetically to, you know, benefit us all so thank you guys uh i guess one last time did i miss anything i don't know if I, i'm so i'm so bad at the spiel nowadays this is our second show back this is season three episode two you guys <laughs> crazy it's okay we'll hit our stride around yeah 10, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah i'll get back into the swing of things in like may <laughs> yeah yeah all right uh that's it i didn't do the subscribe banner i did it i did it Okay. Yeah, how about this I got banner? You. How about the grassroots AF banner? That Maybe works. Kristen happy. I'm just trying to make Kristen happy, you guys. She's probably over there like screaming at me right now. <laughs> All right. Be excellent to each other out there, you you hooligans, you. But more importantly, be excellent to yourselves. And we'll catch everybody next time. Thanks. Bye. I gotta hit the other button. I don't know where the other button is. Here we go.